Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. You know, we just finished up this fast, which was a call to being, bring us back into our designed purpose. Like, what was the purpose that God established us to be here? And, you know, a couple of the big fruit that I've seen coming out of that is to be the mobile arcs of the covenant, to carry his presence in a very powerful way in our world. And that, that purpose that we have um, to walk and live and breathe from his presence, first and foremost, above everything else, has been extremely, extremely important. Um, there's a slide. It's in the images folder. I forgot to put that up there um, for, for the, there it is. Um, so um, one of the things that we've been seeking the Lord for um, has been really understanding, God, what's your purpose for the region? What's your purpose for the land? What's your purpose and all that? And I believe God wants to reveal his glory in North Idaho in a very powerful way. I believe he wants to reveal his glory in a manner that is transformative. That changes the way this region looks. Not just make it more conservatively moral. That's a fruit to have biblical morals when the kingdom of God comes. But part of what God, I believe God wants to do is he wants to begin dealing with the lack and the poverty in relationships with domestic violence and sexual abuse and those things. He wants to begin to deal with extreme generational poverty that has been here for a long time. He wants to really impact the way that people go about entrepreneurship and the way that they actually are motivated to create legacy for their futures. I think that there's a cultural shift that is going to benefit from the legacy that's here and catapult us into the kingdom of heaven where there is a different legacy being established. I, I believe also that there's going to be a revival that springs forth in this region that will catapult um, like, kind of like, um, uh, you know, do you remember those? I don't remember the name of the little, in the 80s, they were really popular. The electrical globes, right, where you had the thing in the middle. What are those called? No, not a lava lamp. They were electrical. And, and they, 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 the sparks would go everywhere. I see Sandpoint as the thing in the middle. And then we're like, choo, 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 and then, you know, God puts his hand on it and all the electricity goes to the hand. Type of thing, you know, those, those, I, I, you know, I just keep seeing that, you know, like, okay, we're kind of at the epicenter of some of that stuff. Do you believe that? I do. I do. Amen. Amen. And God's doing that all over the place, but it's going to be really special to be part of what he's doing here. Amen. All right. So we've been looking at the series through the book of Joel. This is going to be our, our uh, ninth sermon in the, in the, book of Joel, and there'll be one more. I thought this was going to be the last one, and as I began to study, I'm like, okay, I got to split this up, um, because we would have needed to start preaching at 10. All right. Um, so we've had a process, right? The Lord has been um, 
uh, revealing his process at the time was for Judah to be restored after the devastation of locusts. And then he gets prophetic in looking at what does, what's this devastating army look like of locusts that come through and they just demolish and devour everything. And then we see him begin to prophetically speak about the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord comes up over and over and over. This day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. And in that day, this will happen. And in that day, this will happen. And so we see that there's a couple of major things that happens throughout this thing. And, and God's given us some keys, I believe some keys, for us to... Where you're at in your process might require a different key, but we need the equipping in order to go, oh, this is coming up. God's plan, desire, is restoration, and it's actually a restoration of the bounty of the land. Like there's this thing that the Lord wants to do. And so no matter where you're at, I think that we've been able to receive some keys that will help us navigate God's process of restoration. And the first thing that we talked about was feel the pain, mourn the losses, Right, Because they were just broken over how these locusts had just taken and eaten everything. And there was these, these four types of locusts that had all types of devastation from the flesh. And we looked at all what those four things could mean based on the type of locust that it was. And, and th these are all online. You can go to the website or you can go to YouTube and put in Harvest Valley or HVWC and you'll see our stuff. And uh, you can look up the Joel series and kind of go through those. I'm, I'm not going to re-preach these sermons, but the first one was mourn the loss, feel the pain. The second real key was enter into repentance. <laughs> like really allow your heart to be broken over the loss and say, God, I don't want that anymore. I'm repenting, and it's an interceding repentance. It's a repentance that says, listen, there is brokenness in my land, and God, I, I feel the weight of the pain. And Father, I'm asking that you turn the tide on this thing. We want it to go a different direction. We want it to be the kingdom of heaven. We want this to come the way that you want it to happen here. Amen? So then the third aspect that we talked about was that after we, we enter into a season of repentance, we must realize that God has perfect timing and we allow His divine order to begin to establish our steps. It means that we start to operate within the seasons that God has for us. It means that we start operating within the timing that God has for us, right? Because He talks about the former rain, He talks about the latter rain, and that God is faithful in both the former and the latter rain. Like whatever the season is, whatever God's doing in the earth, God is going to be faithful in that. That we need to align with his timing and with his seasons through establishing divine order. Amen? Okay, now the fourth one is that God will help you make peace with your losses. He will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And we recognize that that word restore means to make peace with. It's not just to have it paid back to you. It's that there's a peace that comes over you when you recognize the things that have been lost. God, restore the years. How many of you have had years that you wish you'd had back? Well, God says, I'm going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. In other words, I'm going to make sure that you can make peace with that season of your life so that it does not carry any more weight in your decision-making and your process, right? Right? So we talked about this, this a little different twist on restoring the years, right? That the locust is eaten. I think that's a huge key for us. 
Because oftentimes, once we start getting into divine order, we'll have some hook in us that wants to drag us back to an old season. Nope. Let's make restoration. Okay, let's, let's, let's allow that to be dead. I'm going to make peace with that because I'm not going to allow those failures, those whatever that thing that got eaten, that abuse, that, I'm not going to allow that to have any more sway over me into my future. Amen? Because your past does not dictate your future. Now, the fifth one uh, was let God empower you. We talked about I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and we recognize I'm in those days. Say, I'm in those days, right? Because in the last day I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Well, hey, here we are. The Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. We are still in that day. That day has not stopped. No matter how many people would like you to think otherwise, it has not stopped. And there's no good biblical precedent for it to teach that it stopped, other than, ooh, I don't like that, it makes me uncomfortable. That's right, I said it. Sixth, let God judge. Let God be the judge. We entrust, because he talks about this judgment that is coming on the adversaries. So listen, we entrust all of the repayment and all of the judgment and all of the outcomes, we entrust it fully and wholly to the Lord. We don't do that. It's not our place to try and create an outcome. We entrust it fully to the Lord. And then um, the last sermon that we did was that we go to war in the world, right? We turn our plowshare, our, our thing that we use for labor, and we turn that into a sword. We can go to war where we work using the implements that God has given us for labor. We actually use our labor for the sake of the kingdom, because God wants us to be winning souls where? In the marketplace? If we're waiting for people to get saved to walk in the door here, we got it backwards. If people come here to get equipped to find some, a ref, we're a refuge for healing, a launch pad for transformation. People come here for that. Amen? Okay. So that brings us to today. And we're going to look at what happens in that day when the land is restored. This is Manifestation of Restoration Part 1. Next week will be part two, okay? Because there's two verses at the end of Joel that I was going to try and combine into one, and I just couldn't do it because they're too rich. Um, and so let me say this. Romans 8, 20 and 21 says this, For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. There is a restoration that is coming. And the freedom that is coming is going to be under the hand of the children of God, the sons of God. We actually get, are going to carry a role in the restoration of the earth, not just this land, and maybe it starts here, but um, there's a restoration of the planet that God is, that the earth is longing for, and that God is longing for, that the freedom of the sons of God manifest in the earth. And that's what we're talking about today. So, 
here we are, Joel 3.18. We're only going to look at one verse today. I broke this verse into three different points, three different sections, so please follow along. Uh, it will come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias. I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm going to talk kind of fast. So if, I'm, if you are struggling to keep up with me, I already made sure that the audio is pretty good today. It will be, it is being recorded. We will be able to watch this one, okay? Huh? Yeah, you can put it at 0.75 and have me slow down a little. All right. Point number one today, overflow comes in time. Overflow comes in its time. Let me say it again. Overflow comes in its time. And it will come to pass in that day. And that, that phrase is really important because this should increase our hope and faith to persevere. It will come to pass. Did you hear that? It will come to pass in that day. It wasn't a maybe it will or I hope it will. It will come to pass in that day. And that should increase our hope and our ability to persevere, right? James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, the testing of the faith is to have to wait. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces patience. Woo! But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Did you hear that? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Sometimes the delay is so that you might be perfect and complete. Oh, you mean it's not just about what I want right now? Gimme, gimme, gimme? No. Let patience have its perfect work. And like Christ, we can endure hardship as we set the hope of what's in front of us, before us, right? He was willing to endure the cross, despising the shame for the hope that was set before him. And I believe that, that as we realize that, it, just this one phrase, in that day it will come to pass, I think is so critical for us to increase our endurance, to increase our ability to, to press past the obstacle, to press past, like Micah was saying, like, Okay, I don't necessarily experience, like, you've had huge upgrades. Like, you've seen a lot of healing. But it's not all the way to where you want it to be. So we don't let that deter us. We say, you know, I'm going to believe that in that day it will come to pass. And I have the ability and capacity under the Holy Spirit to persevere. Because the Word says that in that day it will come to pass. It is, it's for an appointed time. How many of you know God works in appointed times? The devil works in opportune times, like, ooh, I can take advantage of this. That's not the believer. The believer operates under the appointment of time that God has appointed. That's why we don't stress out because I'm not getting what I want. The mature believer doesn't do that. Why? Because in that day, it will come to pass. And we can have that assurance in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't want some things or even get frustrated that you're not. Hey, we're all human. Nobody's holier than thou here. I have those moments. We all do, but yet we can have faith because in that day it will come to pass. 
I'm not going to let that shroud my heart or shroud my thinking to not continually ask and pursue and say, Lord, what are you doing now? Okay, God, I see this. And you said, you know, it shall come to pass. Just like Micah said earlier, we find the mission in the moment right here. What do you got for me right now? Because if I'm fulfilling that and I'm walking in your word right now, I know in that day it shall come to pass. You mean I got to deal with some trial? Guess what? Patience will produce its perfect work in me, in me. In me, developing my character to be like more like who? Jesus is the right answer to that question. All right, amen, hallelujah. All right. The second part of overflow comes in its time is that the blessing of the land requires more than just the land. Do you realize that? Okay, okay, let, let's look at this phrase. It says that the mountains shall drip with new wine. How many of you have seen wine flow from a tree? How many of you have seen wine, wine, wine? Not grapes, wine. Wine is a process that happens when man interacts with the grapes. And then they put it through a process that then produce wine. And guess what? It takes time for that, doesn't it? So listen. He says the mountains will flow with new wine. That means that there's such an abundance of supply that you'll be able to make the wine. It's a partnership between the land and your labor. It takes work to make wine. And I still kind of hope someday I can get my feet really clean and jump in a vat and press the grapes. Right? You know, that sounds fun to me, you know? Like it's a little slippery, you know? I have to hold on to the edge. The fruit of the vine, the cultivation, it's the cultivation of the land and the fruit from the land that produces this mountains dripping with new wine because it's a partnership, Right? The other thing is it says that the, that the um, hills shall flow with milk. Well, milk comes from cows or goats or whatever, right? One of those milk-giving animals. <laughs> it's a lot harder to make almond milk than it is to milk a cow. But there is, there is a point to here. The same was with the wine. In order for the milk to flow, we have to partner with it. Right? We have to partner with the resources that God is giving us. And, and, and it's like, oh, it's going to flow, which means that there's an abundance of the supply and abundance of the labor to make the, the hills drip with, with flow with milk and the mountains to drip new wine. Right? I just love that picture because... The blessings mentioned from the land are a direct result of a partnership of mankind with the land. We're partnering with the purposes of, of the grape, the purpose of the, the dairy cow, right? We're partnering with it. Both of these blessings are a manifestation of labor, and they involve skill, and they involve work. I think God's calling us into a season to put our hand to some things. To do some things. To partner with the land. To see an abundant 
overflow. It was manifest yesterday when we show up and we got hands, we got an abundant of labor. We had an abundant of supply. We weren't missing anything. Now, let's look at this uh, second part of the verse. And all the brooks of, Judy, of Judah shall be flooded with water. Okay. Brooks flooded. Um, the seasons will play their part. You can't have brooks flooding without a good winter. Divine order in God's seasons produces abundance. Divine order in God's seasons produces abundance. A healthy winter is required for the brooks to overflow. There's a time to reap. There's a time to sow. There is a time for rest. There's a time to wait on the Lord. There's a time to water the seeds. There's different seasons in life. Find out which one you're in. Because it's really hard to partner with abundance when you're trying to sow seed in the middle of a frozen tundra. When spring comes, it might, you might actually find some things growing. You might. Just really don't plant seeds in the desert when it's really dry because that seed might actually die. I think it's really important for us to assess what season that we're in because there's an abundant, like the brooks overflowing means that there was a season where it got really cold and it snowed a lot and it felt like nothing was happening and it was a little quieter than usual and yet that season was required for the brooks to overflow. So recognize what season that you're in. I think it's just worthy of asking the Lord about, right? Because true abundance is fulfilling the purpose of your season. True abundance is fulfilling the purpose of your season. That in the winter you rest. That in the summer you play. That in the spring you sow. And in the fall you harvest. Right? So Lord, what season are we in? In that day we see that nothing is left out of his overflow. Nothing is left out of his overflow in that day. All the brooks. He didn't leave any out. He didn't leave your stream out. All the brooks shall overflow. I love that simplicity of the word all. It means that the thing that he's doing is... is is not a small thing in one little area. All the brooks shall overflow. Um, all of the pathways for God to flow and to bless will be full in its season. Isn't that good? Okay. All of the pathways for blessings to flow will overflow in its season. 
again, we don't have to worry about if we're not seeing it today. Lord, what season am I in? Because I want to fulfill the purpose of my season today. Some of us are so hungry for this overflow that we, we're planting a seed and coming back two days later to try and harvest. It's going to take some seasons. Okay? And the cycle might be longer than you like. Oh, well. In that day, it will come to pass. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, this is the last point, and this is the one that I actually had the most fun time with, and um, I want to do it justice. So are you okay hanging with me for a little bit? Are you guys okay with that? If you do need to go, I totally understand. Uh, like I said, it'll, it will be up, but I have no idea where God's going to take this because um, I had this encounter with the Lord um, that changed my life uh, years ago when I was reading this book from Chris Valaton, this is the book, Heavy Rain. And uh, I'm going to read the verse to give you a little more context before I read this, but it's been messing me up. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Acacias. A fountain will flow from the house of the Lord. And so immediately when I read this, I think of Ezekiel's temple and the river that flows out. This is um, Ezekiel chapter 40. Um, Ezekiel is having a vision. He's being guided by an angel around the new temple, right? Ezekiel's in exile, okay? He's in the land of the Chaldeans. He's in exile. The temple has been destroyed. There's a new temple coming. got this vision and he goes through and gets all this great like detailed information and then in chapter 47 it talks about this this river that begins to flow from underneath the altar on the south side to the east and i want to dig this out a little bit let me read to you what messed me up I had it marked, yay. It was early Sunday morning, and the Bethel Church leadership team gathered, as we do every week, to pray for God to move miraculously among us. The atmosphere was charged as a small room filled up with about 30 passionate staff members, all eager for their chance to lead out in prayer. Each leader stood with anticipation, like racehorses waiting for the gate to open. My turn was near, so I formed my thoughts as the person next to me concluded his fervent exhortation. I was just about to blurt out, I released the pool of Bethesda over Bethel Church when the Lord suddenly interrupted my thinking. That's an old prophetic word, he said. I was stunned. I quickly reminded the Lord that just six months earlier, he had told, this is a good conversation. Sometimes we're like, wait, but God, you just said, right? He had told me that the church was like the pool of Bethesda six months earlier. Lord, how could this be an old word, I questioned. That's an old word, the Lord repeated. What's the new word? I asked a bit sheepishly. My church is moving from the pool of Bethesda to Ezekiel's river, he said. I was sitting at my table where, I was sitting at my table, kitchen at the dining room table, reading this, and uh, I 
got swirled up, just right there. My church is moving from the pool of Bethesda to Ezekiel's River. And I got kind of caught up in this thing. And I realized that in that moment, I was laying on my back with the chair underneath my rear end. And I was doing a complete plank, like just laying like this. And I must have been there for probably, I think it was about an hour. And the Lord, yeah, I was sitting upright. And then it was like, poof, I was just down. And the Lord just gave me this really radical encounter with his presence. I don't remember anything specifically being said other than Ezekiel's river. And I could start, like, I remember picturing the river and seeing the temple and seeing the flow of the water all the way out and, and looking back and realizing it's the new Jerusalem and Revelation and, like, having all these, you know, crazy Crazy, this crazy moment, I couldn't speak or talk clearly for another three hours. My wife came home and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's like, did you have a stroke? <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm like, <laughs> you know, trying to get her. I was a mess. So I declared that next Sunday, I declared that this would be a house like Ezekiel's River, a temple where the, the, the glory of the Lord. And um, for a couple of weeks prior to that, we'd been seeing uh, people who are seers and can see things in the spirit. We're seeing a waterfall coming down from just kind of like to the left of the speaker coming down and filling the house and um, people still see it. So it was really funny because Yolanda is here and uh, they're like, and she's standing right here right here, and she's like, I have waterfall, waterfall, huh, she's like, I just waterfall, when Quinn was little, she would take that really big blue flag, and she'd drape it, you remember this, Mika, she'd drape it down here, and she'd call it the waterfall, right, So this is a deep message, part of this message for me. I don't know what he's trying to do with me right now or what he's going to release, but I just want to point out some little insights that I think will be helpful for us for what God wants to do. And I'm going to go through this. Um, in Ezekiel 47, right, a fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley of vacations is in Joel. Joel being written during the time of the kings. Okay, so Ezekiel is if maybe using some of this imagery that Joel had written. We know that the book of Joel, the imagery in the book of Joel is repeated in Isaiah. It's repeated in Ezekiel. It's repeated um, all th- like, like uh, Zechariah. Like there's a ton of, of, um, of prophetic books that repeat themes that are mentioned in Joel. And many scholars, classical scholars, believe Joel was the precursor to all of those. So some of the imagery is actually being pulled off. Newer scholarship would say it's the other way around, that Joel was way, way, way later during that. But again, like I explained in the introduction, I don't think that fits as well to me. Okay, but you're free to see it however. It's, it's all good. It's the Word of God. It's true. Ezekiel 47. 
It says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, this being your right side, under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. So what I want to do is go, this, this just messed with me. The front of the temple faces east, and out of the south side, of the, uh, below the, the threshold or, or the altar, under the south side, south of the altar, there is a stream of water that's flowing, right? And just to put context, what's happening at the south side of the altar? In Ephesians, in Ezekiel 40, it says this, verses 44 uh, through 46. Outside the inner gates were the chambers for the singers in the inner court, one facing south, in other words, on the north side of the altar, facing south, right? The other was on the south side, facing north. Then he said to me, this chamber which faces south, meaning the one on the north, is for the priests who have charge of the temple. The, so the, 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 the group of worshipers priests that are worshiping singers, they're facing, the ones who are facing the south from the north are in charge of the temple worship. They're in charge of the religious duties. But the chamber which faces north, which is seated in the south, is for the priests who have charge of the altar. These are the sons of Zadok. I'm not going to get into that, but it's cool from the sons of Levi, who come near the Lord to minister to him. When you look in 47, it's from underneath the seat of worship for the people who are there to minister to the Lord that this river of living water flows out of to heal everything it touches. What is the altar? Well, we know that Jesus Christ put himself on the altar on the cross. We know that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. There's no more sacrifices to be made in a new temple. Come on now. Come on now. He wants for all. He paid the price. There's not a new sacrifice of bulls and goats to happen again because Christ paid the price. So when we're looking at a new temple, a new temple, who is that? It might be you. It might be you. And from the place in you that ministers unto the Lord, that comes to the altar, comes to the cross and ministers unto the Lord, this is the seat where rivers of living water flow. People wonder, oh, Pastor, how do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues? Minister unto the Lord. Woo! Come on, we have to sing our song. We have to give Him praise and minister to Him because it's that place where we're ministering Him in light of the cross. 
rivers flow. It was not a mistake that in John 7, Jesus says, from out of you will flow rivers of living water. You don't think Jesus was there in Ezekiel's vision? He knew exactly what he was saying. He was Jesus, right? Yeah, he knew, he knew what he was saying. Can we talk about one more thing here? The water in Joel flows into the valley of Acacias, okay? It, it's an interesting note. Can I just ask you, what wood is used in Exodus for the Ark of the Covenant? Acacia wood. The river flowing from the temples waters and feeds the material that is used to make the mercy seat. The mercy seat is the dwelling place of the glory of the Lord. Worship creates a habitation for the glory of the Lord. So, we minister unto the Lord, and, and what, what ends up being built up? Water flows right through what? Right through the supply you need to be the mobile ark of the covenant. Right through the supply you need for his glory, the mercy seat to rest within you. I just thought that was cool. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? You are a temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul knew what he was talking about when he said that, when he uses the reference of the temple. Listen, there's a certain amount of worship that will minister to you, which is the, the people on the north facing south, the minister according to the cross unto yourself. How many of you know that worship will minister to you? Right? Oh, come on, sometime I need some worship because it'll minister to the, 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 it's the priests who are called to minister to the temple. Ha, ha, who's the temple? I am. So actually, there's a place at the cross where I can worship and the minister re, will be for me. But the river of living water doesn't flow from there. Woo! The river of living water doesn't flow when you're ministering to yourself in worship. Or when you allow the Lord to minister to you in worship. That is not the place where the river flows. The river flows when we minister unto Him. Is this good? You guys enjoying this? want to read one more little section of Ezekiel. When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, hmm, the valley of Acacias, down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. I think the sea just might mean the world. Then that water is flowing through you and it reaches the world. The world is healed. Whoo! Come on, I'm, I'm getting wrecked up here. 
It shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river, how many of you know of a mobile river? Wherever the river goes, will live. Every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish. Wait, a fish? A fish? A multitude of fish? Jesus says, wait, no, no, you, you used to catch fish, but I'm going to make you a fisher of. Well, oh. there will be a very great multitude of people, a fish, because these waters go there. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Along, in verse 12, along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees, trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. All right. I just say that getting this dogwood tree just was messing me up. <laughs> Psalm 1. You guys know Psalm 1? I'm going to read it because I'm messed up and I can't think straight. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinner, nor sits in the seats of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose lifts, leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, I'm going to look at Revelation 22, because we can't get away from this. We can't get away from the new Jerusalem. We can't get away from this thing that John sees in this vision, which is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Okay? Now, it says, I saw no temple. He talks about the new Jerusalem, right? And he says it's this, it's this amazing city that comes down from heaven. The construction of its walls is like jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. Foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. And how many of you are here with Nathaniel White when he talked about, hey, this is us, this is us, right? And we can have a bajillion types of eschatology. I'm fine if you're a, if you're a turn and burn, the rapture's coming, you better go repent now. I'm fine with that. As long as you have your focus on Jesus and you don't operate in fear, feel free. I, 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 I am not, I am, I am, I want to say this right. The priority of eschatology is what is God asking of us today? My encouragement is that if you have an eschatology that leads you to fear, you have the wrong eschatology. And maybe that's just a heart issue. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, a-trib, amillennial, whatever. Okay? 
So we see this, the glory of the new Jerusalem. He says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. But they shall by no means enter it, there, and there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, 22 verse 1, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit each every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. In Ezekiel 47, we see that, though the leaves of the tree are for medicine. Man, they're too familiar. And they might be very well, might be two different iterations. I, I'm, I'm not going to get too you know, bogged down in that. What I think is really, really important to understand is that where you go, things will come up for the sake of healing people. Where you go, where you go, things live, not die. Will you stand with me? So, I got a whole, I got one more whole message from the book of Joel. But, Father, we want to step into your river. Will you teach us how to minister to you? God, I'm asking right now that the river of living water would begin to flow in each person here this morning. God, that we would recognize it's not just to minister to the temple, to us, but to minister to you. I'm going to ask that each of you just take a, take a brief moment in your mind and just have a quick conversation with the Lord concerning what He would have you do with what you just got. God, what do you want me to do now that I'm aware that I'm a temple and rivers of living water are to flow out of me to heal everything I come in contact with and touch? God, what do you want me to do with that? Can we just take a moment and just ask the Lord and let him speak to you now? you feel like he's bubbling up in you right now yeah just let him bubble up in you let let your worship of him 
begin to just spring forth a little deeper inside you. Hallelujah. Today is that day for river to flow in you. Today is that day. It is not for tomorrow. It's not, it will happen tomorrow, but it's for today. It is for right now. It's not for some other season. The river flows regardless of the season you're in. So we say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. How many of you are feeling, um, just every, every head bowed and eyes closed, please. I just am picking up on a few things, and I want to ask a couple questions because I want to come into an agreement, and maybe I, I feel like the Lord wants to release some things. Um, how many of you have felt resistance to even talking to God about that river of living water in you? You felt resistant to it. It's okay, just be honest. You feel some resistance in you. Okay. All right. Anyone else? Okay. I break every curse that has ever been spoken of over you in Jesus' name. We break every lie from the enemy concerning who you are. And I command all demonic oppression to leave you right now in Jesus' name. We call your spirit forward and we say, wake up. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we, just, we just take the claws of the enemy out of your back. And I declare that you are saved, healed, and delivered. Some of you will need some additional ministry because it won't lift today. And that's okay. We're, we're going to work with you. So if you felt like even after some of that, if you felt freer, praise the Lord. If you're still struggling, please let me know, okay? Because God wants to set you completely free. The other thing I wanted to just, just find out, um, how many of you feel like God is doing an absolute new work in your spirit right now? Something you've never felt him do before. Wow, praise the Lord. That was the majority of the hands in the room. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And I seal right now the work of your spirit that's being done in this place. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will fill and overflow each person in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.